This is it. It's uh, Parenting Porcupines. Welcome back. We are on episode seven, and the title of this episode is The Monopoly Effect. Charity is voluntary, but taxation is theft. And we're going to talk a little bit about this phrase that shows up a lot in libertarian conversations and libertarian politics, which is taxation is theft, and how that makes its way into our conversations with our kids and what they think that really means. So I'm Casey Whitener. My daughter is 12, and uh, we just named our homeschool. <laughs> you remember from episode six, we've now decided to homeschool, and we just named it Porcupine Prep. So <laughs> that is the name of our homeschool. Uh, Melissa, tell us who you are, where you are, and uh, kids' ages and things like that. Um, I'm down in the low country in Charleston. I've got three kids. Uh, my two girls are in kindergarten and second grade. It still startles me to say it. My son is in fifth grade. He does virtual school, and his first day of school was yesterday. Wow. So we are full on in the swing of things. Nice. Alex, introduce yourself. Tell us where you are and what your kid is all about. Well, hey, uh, I'm Alex. I am in the low country in Charleston. My little dude, Perry, is a year and three weeks old. And um, I know we talk about not indoctrinating our kids, but it would be a lie for me to say that I'm not going to try to have his first phrase be taxation is theft. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> All of us are like, yeah. mama, dada. <laughs> you guys are like, taxation is theft. <laughs> it's fantastic. All right, the idea for this particular episode came from a story from Jessica. Jessica, tell us who you are and tell us about your kids and then give us that story of the monopoly effect. I am Jessica and I live in Greenville. I've got two sons. Um, one is in sixth grade. He started sixth grade yesterday. And Melissa, I know that we have said this before, but if you think it pains you, say that they are in second and fifth in kindergarten, just wait, middle school stuff. Um, and then I have a younger son who is, he just started third grade. So, um, and his, one of his favorite things to say is taxation is theft. He thinks that's an awesome thing. And I'm sure that there's going to be an episode where I tell you guys about the time he refused to give any answer on a social studies test aside from taxation and theft and the government are thieves. Um, but I'll reserve that for a later episode. Um, so the story that, that kind of prompted this episode that this is based on is um, we were at the beach last summer with my husband's family and um, his brother and uh, his brother's wife, they are, um, they are, you know, very far left politically, and so we don't agree sometimes. So my sister-in-law and I had gone shopping, and we left uh, Michael and Andy with the kids, and they were, you know, playing games and stuff, and they decided they were going to play Monopoly. And so we got back from shopping, and the first thing that my brother-in-law said to me was, I can't tell if your son is just really generous or, or if he's a socialist. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and apparently when they were playing Monopoly, Caldwell was like really excited to help everybody out. And he was like giving them money to pay their fines and uh, buy houses. And he was just like giving people stuff. 
But then when he had to pay a tax, he apparently lost his shit and like <laughs> refused to play anymore. He was like, I'm not paying taxes. <laughs> That's awesome. And so I was like, well, well, yeah. And I said, Colwell, come here. And while he was walking over, I was like, we, you know, charity is voluntary. I said, and Colwell, what is taxation? And he said, it's theft, mommy. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So, so we might all be guilty of a little indoctrination. I definitely have a t-shirt that says taxation is theft. Uh, I definitely have a number of rants and rages against the IRS um, that I'm sure over her 12 years, Holly has been witness to. And more than anything, we talk about how the it's a distrust, right? So it's the idea that we distrust one another to truly supply what we need for one another in a voluntary way. And instead what we have is this government system that com through compulsion takes our money from us and reallocates those resources. And so we talk a lot about how if you give us the opportunity, we will in fact be very generous. And one of Holly's favorite YouTubers is a guy named Mr. Beast. I'm sure your kids have been watching Mr. Beast. If they haven't seen him, you guys gotta check him out. Mr. Beast is making a ton of money on YouTube. He and his buddies put together these silly videos where like they go play hide and go seek and stuff like that and kids love it right They've, he's got millions of followers I mean we're talking like 80 million followers and because he's making so much money on YouTube he routinely gives that money away gives it away at one point he had a bank where he had gone into like an abandoned bank building and the bank was the free bank and people just lined up and they walked in and he just gave them money and this was a video, of course, right? And it gets millions of views on YouTube and everybody loves it and thinks it's wonderful. But the idea is that here's this guy who in fact is making a lot of money, who wants to do something for his community and therefore is giving that money back to the community. So this is the kind of charity that Holly sees and she says, oh, you mean like Mr. Beast? I'm like, well, we're not all 80 million followers and giving all of our money away. But yes, it's that if you give people the opportunity to be charitable, they will in fact be charitable. But if you rob them, taxation, and give that money away on their behalf, they will only become more stingy with their dollars. And so that's really, I think, the conversation we wanted to have here is talk about how do we teach that to our kids and how do we uh, you know, make those lessons part of something we're living and learning in our homes. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the charity side. How are you encouraging charity in your family? Is there a practice? Do you guys have a habit? Uh, what's the way that you come at charity in, in your family? We go to church, and so our kids see us tithe, right? And we talk about you know, the importance of tithing, and our church is very big into missions, and so we do a lot of work in the community. Um, part of that is we do a lot of projects for an organization in the upstate called Career Relief, and they have a lot of cool programs that help people break the cycle of poverty, um, so it's not just like a handout, it's a hand up kind of thing, but also um, we have a, a rotating uh, set of teams from our church that go uh, once a, I think it's once a month, um, and they volunteer at a homeless, uh, at, it's called Mercy Triune, it's a church, and then they have like meals for the homeless, and so they go and they, they cook and they serve meals 
you know, for the homeless. And so my kids see my husband doing that. And then we do things like adopt a highway um, through my the Greenville County Libertarian Party. Um, I volunteer with Greer Relief sometimes through that as well. And then they've, I mean, we've participated in things like hands-on Greenville. They've seen me do food drives for um, Harvest Hope Food Bank. They've seen me raise money for the Green Beret Foundation. And so they see us being charitable. And we, we not only do that and let them see that, but we talk to them anytime we have these projects, we make sure that we talk to them about what we're doing and why we're doing it and why it is important to do it. Um, because we, my husband and I both feel like we have a responsibility that if we have something extra, whether it's money, whether it's clothes, whether it's food, whether it's just time, that we should give that, right? And so we have a lot of conversations when we're actually in the moment and doing the things about what is and why it's important. My kids do... Um... American Heritage Girls and Trail Life, which is like Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, but Christian based. And they do service hours. We've done uh, shoe boxes for Operation Christmas Child. They have a little free pantry that they stock. We do service projects more than monetary donations. But my kids are all about helping other people. They, you know, my son comes home and says, my friend down the street, you know, doesn't have a backpack. Well, well, you've got three of them. So he came home, got a backpack and brought it to his friend. Yeah. Because he has plenty. So I know my little guy is really little and we haven't really been able to teach much there yet. Um, but in our family of two before Perry, we have a standing rule where if an opportunity comes along, you just give, whether it's a GoFundMe link or someone standing at a corner. Um, I know there's a lot of thoughts on giving money to um, panhandlers, but that's between, to me, that's between them and God. That's not between me and them. So if I have something in my car, food, water, money, it's, it's gonna go in their hand. And that doesn't, I'm just gonna be honest, that doesn't come naturally to me. I was an only child and we grew up really poor. <laughs> Um, but Sean has really challenged me. Um, and if I'm being honest, God's really worked on my heart and made it to where, yeah, having the standing rule of if the opportunity comes across our lives, then you take it. Um, and then Sean Face, my sweet man, he donates IT work to Florence Crittenden, Charles, uh, Florence Crittenden programs of Charleston. And, uh, I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's, uh, it's a charity that also runs as a shelter for women who are in need and sometimes they're in trouble and oftentimes there are young very young expecting mothers there and you know they have to have things like computers to run their to run their charity and Sean goes and he donates his time and um, I don't know I'm so glad we're talking about this because it's really gonna keep my wheels spinning for how to um, teach Perry about this and I'm really inspired by what you guys have said so far yeah, you know, it's interesting to me, too, because all three of you mentioned a faith perspective on this, and we haven't had a faith discussion, and maybe we do need an episode moving forward, but there tends to be a misconception that libertarians are perhaps not faithful people, uh, that libertarians do not have that traditional Christian value system for whatever reason. I don't know where that perspective comes from, but in fact, we have so much faith in one another, 
and so much faith in charity giving as a way to provide for our community that to me, I've always been shocked when people have said that they didn't know that libertarians were faithful people. And that's not all of us. I mean, of course, we have uh, we have atheists. We welcome everybody in every perspective. Um, we, we have anarchists in our party, right? Like, of course, we are welcoming of any and every perspective. But I just think it's interesting that each one of you spoke about this being something that's part of your heart, and then your heart being tied very much to your faith. So I thought that was really interesting. We don't necessarily have a recurring practice, but I'm like Alex. Like, when the opportunity comes up, let's give. Back in December, we went as part of the Libertarian Party here in the Midlands, down to the park and just handed out hygiene kits, right? With fresh socks and toothbrushes and toothpaste. And we handed out non-perishable food, right? So little packets of snacks and things that they could keep with them for our homeless population here in Columbia, South Carolina. And it wasn't because we wanted television coverage. It wasn't because we wanted people to know the libertarians love you and care about you. It's because as libertarians, we're all together and we're like, there's some homeless people in the park. Let's go feed them. <laughs> like, let's do that. Instead of having a meeting- Don't wait for the government. Right. Instead of doing, you know, having a meeting where we sit around and talk about, you know, what's in it for us, let's go out and give. And while we're out there giving, you know, maybe we can be talking about, I don't know. We, were, we weren't really talking about much. We were mostly hearing their stories and listening to them because they're human beings and they're our citizens and they're part of our community. So, all right, let's um, flip the switch, right? Because we know that a lot of people on the charity, charitable giving side are being encouraged to be charitable via tax deduction. And don't get me wrong, I love a good tax deduction, but I also think that that's an incentive because they've taken your money from you and now they want you to give more money to somebody they don't plan to give that money to. And therefore they will incentivize you to do it. And it's like a really big, weird rigged machine. Instead of just letting me keep my money and give it to people, you're going to take it and incentivize like, I don't, I'm confused by it. So let's flip the switch from co cooperation and charity to taxation and what that looks like. Jessica. In my career, and I think this is, I think this is the thing that really made me realize how I feel about taxation. And it wasn't the tax on my income. It wasn't the amount taken out of my paycheck, even though that always up too. But I'm in real estate, and I do um, title research. That's part of part of my expertise. And in my line of work, it is not uncommon to see instances where properties are sold at tax sale, meaning that a person is not able to pay their property taxes. And there may not be property taxes in, in every state. So some of you who are watching this may have no idea what that means. You might, you might not have that where you are. But here in South Carolina, unfortunately, we do. We, once a year, we have to pay a lot of money to our counties for taxes on our properties. Um, but I have seen put that out there. Just gonna put that out there. <laughs> but I've seen instances where there will be like an elderly couple and one of them will die and their house will be paid for, but they can't pay their taxes and the county sells it at tax sale for the tax 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 amount. And so it's like, you know, or there will be a situation like we saw this a lot in two thousand and eight with all the the people who lost their job in the crash, 
there were a ton of foreclosures, there were a ton of tax sales because people couldn't pay their taxes, you know, they, they lost their jobs. And so it would be people who would, maybe they weren't elderly, maybe they had bought their house 20 years prior, worked their butts off and paid off their mortgages, but then their house got sold at tax sale because they couldn't afford the taxes on it anymore. So it's like, I think that was the point that I realized that, you know, I don't think I'm okay with that. That's not really... <laughs> It seem seems wrong somehow. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I think that for me, and and I have that kind of example to, to use when I'm talking to my children too. So like, you know, with our house, our home, you know, obviously we, we have a mortgage, so the county would have to deal with that. There's a whole nother conversation with what happens after that happens, that tax sale happens. But, um, but that's one of the examples that I can explain to them. You know, if, if we, owned this house and we didn't pay the taxes, the county could come and take our house. They could sell our house and it would no longer be our house. Right. So you're renting it from the government as long as you can pay them for it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, um, so it's an interesting perspective to take too, to think about foreclosures and losing your home. And uh, to me, we, we're looking at like a feudal kind of system, right? Where way back in the day, you have the Lord of the manor who owns a certain number of acres, and he's going to sort of rent those acres to the people who are willing to work those acres, right? And then we had sharecropping here in the South for a long time, but we're still in that same sort of feudal system in that the house the property value and the property that value of your home is so expensive that nobody's got cash for $280,000 to buy a house. So you always have to go through the banks to buy the house. So there's this weird sort of feudal system set up through a financial industry that is making money off the fact that the rest of us don't have any money. And that's probably where I started going, uh, this is not okay. And we know uh, a specific guy, Dave Ramsey, has made a lot of money talking about that, right? He's made a lot of money talking about if you can't pay cash for something, you are beholden to somebody else. And that includes your home. And, and I, I don't think it's wrong to say, like, if you really want to be free people, we have to find a way to be free of those kinds of constraints as well. And taxation is just one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But the thing about, and, you know, kind of comparing, and, and this might go down a rabbit hole, but, and I, and I don't want for it to, but comparing foreclosure to, you know, the, the, the tax issue because a foreclosure or, you know, a mortgage is a voluntary thing. I mean, you don't have to enter a mortgage. You don't have a choice but to pay taxes. I mean, if you somehow evade Uncle Sam and you're not paying your income taxes, they're going to come put you in the pokey. Right. They're going to lock you up. <laughs> okay? If you don't pay your property taxes, they're going to take your house. They're going to sell your house. And, and that's not that is not avoidable. Like with a, with a mortgage, you know, you eventually pay that off. That's a, that's something you entered into voluntary, but, but taxes are not voluntary. I mean, that's social contract. You're, you're born in, in America. You're, you're, you're born to pay the government. essentially. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, one of the, I was just going to say, one of the worst situations that I see with property taxes happens in the beautiful glistening. Perfect. Downtown Charleston. Um, 
gosh, like right when we moved here about eight years ago, there were houses downtown and you could get them for, I don't know, a fraction of what they would go for today. And looking back, when I would look at those real estate listings, I mean, a lot of them were pre-foreclosures or being sold on auction and even some of them weren't, but just the prices they were going for were insane. And one of the ways that property taxes is most um, noticeable, noticeable is in places that end up gentrifying, right? Um, so these, these African-American and black homeowners who these homes have been passed down to, they're, they're paid. They don't owe any money on them. Our precious, sweet, I mean, can I just say almost socialist government in downtown Charleston, they will raise those property taxes so high that they can't even stay in their homes and then they get kicked out. And I'm telling you what, when our politicians talk about Black Lives Matter, I'm gonna be like, do they? Do they? Are you sure that they do? Because I know that you were one of the ones that raised those property taxes. I know what you're trying to do. And that's just ugly. And it's a form of racism and, but yet, as libertarians, when we call it out, people are like, ah, eh, nah. But yes, it my is. My roads, how are you gonna pay for my roads? Let's go back to the taxation conversation and think about uh, when, when we're talking to our kids about the, what taxes do for you, right? So when we think about taxation, it's because we're all giving in to the collective good and then the taxes get turned back into public services, right? And so I, I believe, and let's make this a discussion, I believe that the taxation that we have seen to the levels that we have seen it have created a kind of nanny state where we believe that we're individuals, citizens, believe they pay enough in taxes that they should get dot, dot, dot. Whatever it is they've done, they've paid enough in taxes, so the government should fill in the blank. And I think we saw this significantly with COVID, the first thing being, we need national leadership on this. Uh, the second thing being, everybody lost their jobs and everybody filed for unemployment insurance. And unemployment was completely overrun. Um, it was meant to be a fail safe, but it became the lifeline. People were, are living on unemployment. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how does taxation create a sense of entitlement? I've run into one of my biggest peeves is regulations licensing, business license, uh, regulations, you have to have this schooling, you have to, the state gives you permission to do your job. Makes me absolutely crazy. And <laughs> my biggest example of why that doesn't work is Kitchen Nightmares with Gordon Ramsay. Every single one of those disgusting places had the health department's thumbs up to be open and serving food. And that's gross, but they, but they passed the government inspection. So it is safe to eat there because people are just compliant and lazy because, oh, there's government regulation. So it's safe. Makes me crazy. Um, we were talking about schooling last week. Parents are coming together and forming pods, like learning pods. One of the parents will take a bunch of kids in their kid's grade and I'll watch them this day, you watch them that day. So parents can go to work and still have their kids do virtual schooling. South Carolina uh, Department of Social Services came out and did a press release today that says, you have to be registered with the state. It's 10 hours of classes. You have to have insurance. Um, you have to be zoned to be a daycare facility. 
so me and my friends can watch each other's kids in this crazy time. Thank you, government, for saving me from my friends watching my kids. Y'all, that makes me want to stand on a street corner with a poster board. That makes me like anti-government crazy. That is awful. Thank you for helping so much. I can't even imagine me and my neighbors getting together to form a pod and having somebody from DHEC show up and investigate my kitchen. Like, I'd just be like, the fuck, man? Yep. You have to have insurance. You have to, you have to take a class. Because you are a daycare facility now. No, no, all that's wrong. It's wrong in so many ways. <sighs> Melissa, that please let us know. know. Please let us know when the black market daycares get set up. Because I want to, <laughs> I want to donate to that cause. I mean, Me too. That's what I'm going toward. But and I mean, and that's a really great example of what happens when you, when we collectively as a society allow this government overreach and we just let it happen we let it happen and then we get to a point where it's impossible to stop it i mean how ridiculous is it that five moms in a neighborhood can't say all right your kids can come to my house on this day and i'll help them with their school so that you can do whatever it's, you need to do not That's only is it not only is it ridiculous right now, but it wasn't a thing in the 80s. Do you remember when all of us were latchkey kids? Oh my God. There was one stay-at-home mom in our neighborhood and 13 families whose moms depended on that stay-at-home mom. All summer long. That's just, where we were. She just did a head count. Like we all got off the bus. She did a head count. And then at like five o'clock, our parents came home and that was it. If you were bleeding, you went to Mrs. Dubois. That was it. Like yep. other than that, it was it was free for all. Like every man for himself in our neighborhood. I cannot even with this pods scenario. Like, I can't even yep. with that. Yes, it makes it makes people the government regulations make people lazy. Well, how am I supposed to trust that this contractor um, knows what he's doing? Well, research him. It's the you have the internet. It's not 1972. Right. You can look up reviews you well, can look a, up his license you can look really up his insurance point, though, because melissa what if you're you saying care. is those regulations have outlived their usefulness mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we had them in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s when people did not have access to user reviews but now that we have access to user reviews we should be smarter is this so alex is this because uh we've paid so much in taxes we think the government has more authority and, and uh, knowledge than they really do? Of course it is. I mean, after all the taxes are added up, taxes, licensing fees, all that, isn't it something like over 40% of our in income ultimately goes to taxes? I mean, that is a steep price tag. These people better know what they're doing. I mean, they clearly have the moral authority over me. So if I'm paying them this much of my money, obviously they know what they're doing. Um, I was going to add, so Casey, you said, we've paid this much in taxes, we should get blank. So here's my thing. And you can call me a Hufflepuff. That's fine. I own it. Um, we've paid so much in taxes, we've stopped being kind to each other. That drives me insane. Call me a Southerner. Call me a Hufflepuff. I miss kindness. And I truly believe that it is 
our subservience to the government that has caused us to forget to take care of others. Um, I think that the best way to see this day to day, moment by moment, is driving. Um, because when there's not a police officer around, here in Charleston, you're likely to be killed any minute. The second a police officer is nearby, everyone drives so sweet. Oh, come on in, honey. Yep, waving, all that, driving the speed limit. But you'll see that permeates every, every part of our daily lives. People are only kind when the government is keeping them accountable. And kindness to me and respect really is that's the fabric of a society. That's how we interact. That's how we relate to one another. I mean, people are always going to take care of people, but we truly have forgotten that we're supposed to take care of each other on every level. And that little driving example, that can be expanded to talk about charity. Why would I give to a private charity when the government takes so much and is supposedly doing good things with it, right? Like, first of all, they're taking so much of my money. We're lucky if we have anything left to give. But if I do, I mean, I think that's just a question that's in the back of people's minds. I mean, I'm giving so much. I'm told the government's doing this good stuff with it. Why do I need to give to your charity? Isn't the government taking care of that for me? And of course, we know that the government is not taking care of charity. But I don't blame people for being kind of jaded against it. We just need to really work on lowering them taxes. And then maybe people will find that that their hearts will be stirred again, you know? I think you're absolutely right that we take it for granted that the government is solving these social issues for us. And because we think they're solving the social issues, we think we don't have to. Mm -hmm. And my opinion is the libertarian point of view is that if the government would get out of the way, we would solve them. We would willingly go out there and feed our neighbors. We would protect them. We would help them. We would give them the mental health services that they need. We would give them the clothes off our back because Americans are extraordinarily charitable. When we're asked to give money to anything, we raise more money than any other country. Tsunami relief, right? I mean, millions of dollars pour into tsunami relief. Uh, The dude, I, I don't know where he worked, to Staples, was yelled at by a lady about masks. They started a GoFundMe so he could take a vacation. It raised $200,000. I mean, people will give. They will, they will rally to a cause. And those causes are everywhere, man. And all we have to do is get the government out of the way. If they would stop trying to act on our behalf and solve problems that are our problems, they're not the government's problems. They're our community problems. And we as a community should do that. We should step forward and solve those problems. Um, but, but it's hard, especially in it a, we're have, a village and they destroyed our village. Oh yeah. Yes. Everything's national. And it's, part of it is wages and part of it is time. The fact that the government requires 40 hours a week for us at our employer as full-time employment for us to receive employer benefits has robbed us of the time we could be putting into our community. So we'll have a whole episode on that, I'm sure, too. I was just going to point out that you can see that the deficiencies in the things that the government does or the government provides in, in pretty much anything that they provide. I mean, you look at government health care, right? Like, 
Affordable Care Act rollout was horrible. It has not served the people well. And I mean, look no further than the VA, you know, for an example of what that's going to eventually look like, most likely. Um, you look at education. I mean, you know, when the federal government started getting involved and sending money to states with all of these things tied to it, education kind of went downhill, right? I mean, you, you look at those things. These monopolies essentially are created in these hospitals and these, you know, healthcare systems, like locally, Prisma Health is one of the worst. Um, and there's no transparency. There's no honesty and there's no flexibility. And no accountability. No accountability. And, and our government people have not been held accountable for it either. No. So we have a whole other episode we're going to have to do as far as that's concerned. Um, interestingly, of all these additional episodes we talked about today, uh, next week's episode is not going to be on any of these things. Next week, we're going to talk about cancel culture. But this has been Parenting Porcupines, episode number seven, Taxation is Theft. That might be something that shows up in all the all the graphics like throughout today's episode i'll just say taxation is theft hey fyi um and then we'll print t-shirts with cute little parenting porcupines on them thanks for being with us we appreciate you goodbye melissa goodbye alex goodbye jessica bye